0: Wow, it's week seven.
1: Yes, welcome.
0: Hey guys, so we're doing, um, Anna's going to do Leviticus 14 to 27 today, and I am going to do Matthew 26, verse starting in verse 55, um, and then all the way to Mark 2.
1: Yes, Um. so I guess we'll jump right in, and I yes. will go ahead and lead us in a prayer. Does that sound good? Awesome, yes. Okay. Um, Lord, we just thank you for being with us right now. We worship you, Jesus. There's no one like you. Lord, I pray that you would breathe your spirit on this word today and that it would become alive. Lord, I pray that you would give us ears to hear hearts to receive, and minds to understand what your spirit is saying. Lord, we declare no spirit, but the Holy Spirit is welcome in this place. So we say, fear, you have to go. Jezebel, you have to go. Go with your witchcraft, your anxiety, your confusion, your desperation. We say, Holy Spirit, come rule and reign in this place. Father, I thank you that no one came to hear us. They all came to hear you. So we say, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so I have so much to share from Leviticus. So much is on my heart. And I know that might sound a little bit shocking for those of you reading through (laughs) Leviticus. You might be like, "Um, wait a minute, are we reading the same Leviticus? Because that is one of those books that... Um, it can be hard to read through because it's a lot of Old Testament law. It's a lot of really oddly specific laws and rules that we can kind of be like, what? Like, why am I reading all this? And I've had a few people reach out to me and say that they're struggling getting through the Old Testament. I understand. I hear you. I want to give you a word of encouragement, and I'm going to tell you a personal story that's going to help you. So, the very first time I went through the Bible front to back was at this point, I don't know, four or five years ago, maybe. And The first time that I did it, I zoomed through it like, I mean, speedy, speedy quick. I would read the Bible till I fell asleep every night. I would get up in the morning and read the Bible. Any chance during the day, I would have my Bible with me and open it up and read it. I'm talking sitting in the Walmart parking lot. I would open it up and read it for 20 minutes before I went in Walmart. I couldn't. I was desperate for God. So I was just force feeding myself the word as much as I could get. I wanted to get through the whole Bible. I wanted to know everything and read everything. And let me just tell you, I probably absorbed less than 10% of what I read. I went so incredibly fast. I didn't stop and study or read any commentary. I was half asleep sometimes when I was reading it. It was through the night. It was all different kinds of times and situations. So, But I kept going. And then the second time I read it, I understood more. And the third time, more. And every time I continue to read the Bible, I get more out of it. Remember, this word is alive. So I'm here to encourage you if you are struggling and you feel like, oh my gosh, I don't even understand half of what I'm reading. I'm struggling. I don't know. One, we're here to help. Two, I want you to remember there are study tools to help you. So There's Enduring Word, the studying app. Um, There's several sermons and podcasts. If you're struggling with, say, a certain chapter or scripture, you know, look up Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, and he does teachings through the whole Bible, and he has very solid teachings. You will learn so much from him. That's how I've learned so much about the Bible is from teachings and preachings. Just make sure that it's sound, doctor, and really check it out. Um, Another thing I want to encourage you with is, ask questions, ask the hard questions, reach out to us or, you know, a pastor, email your pastor, ask your pastor, um, and just dig deep and study as you go. But my point in all of this is, if this is all new to you, and it's overwhelming, and you're like, I'm not understanding, just keep going. You're not meant to understand the whole Bible. We're supposed to just trust. And that is why we have faith. So just keep reading. Next time you read it, you'll understand more. And then the next time and the next time and the next time. So my word of encouragement is to just keep going. Now we're putting this podcast out on Monday and you are, you've got a whole week of reading ahead of you. We're about to talk about this whole week. So hopefully listening to us, this will help you understand a little bit. Now I'm going to warn you, you're already into Leviticus right now. You're 13 chapters deep. And I'm sure you're a little bit like, whoo, this is a little bit of a tough word. So I'm going to point out some key points that God has revealed to me in my reading. Another thing you can do when you're reading through is say, God, Help me understand. Give me a word in this. Somewhere through these chapters, show me something. Speak to my heart. Really pray into it. And God's going to show you things. Trust me. He will highlight something to you. So the first thing that I want to point out in Leviticus is in almost all of these chapters, I think all of them besides chapter 26, every single one of them starts with this. Now the Lord spoke to Moses. (laughs) So... We see, we know Moses pretty well by now. If you've been going through the Bible and listening along, we know Moses. We know that he's kind of a man after God's own heart, but he's imperfect and he fails, but he wants to obey. So God is speaking to Moses. So Leviticus begins and ends with God speaking to Moses. Almost Every chapter starts this way. This is something we need to take note of. When we see patterns throughout the Bible, take note of them. God does that for a reason. There's so many patterns and things in the Bible that when you dig deeper and you see, it's like, I just stand in awe of it. So by now, you know, like I said, we know Moses pretty well. He was imperfect, but Moses was determined to hear God and obey him. He lived a life of chasing God with his whole heart. He would do anything to get back in the presence of God. He just couldn't get enough of it. And this is why I believe God chose to speak to Moses so much with such important details. You might read through the scriptures and feel like it's confusing with a lot of unnecessary detail, but I can assure you it might seem confusing and that's okay. But the detail is not unnecessary. Anything in scripture is important and God wants you to take note of it. He put it there for you to read. So it's important if God put it there. And I know it can be a struggle to get through it, but just keep reading, do the best you can, or even maybe listen to those chapters. If you're struggling on the YouVersion Bible app, you can listen to them and someone will read it to you. Every time before you read, stop, pray, and ask the Lord to reveal himself to you in a new way. Ask him to help you understand and give you a new revelation of his holiness. Every time I pray this prayer, friends, God shows up. He shows up and he reveals things to me. And it could be something Totally that I would have never ever got from this scripture unless I asked God to show himself to me. Just the other day I was reading through scripture and I was struggling to focus and understand it. God kind of stopped me and I felt on my heart God was saying you didn't ask me to speak to you. You didn't ask me to reveal myself to you. And I stopped and did, and the whole narrative changed. So ask God to speak to you and to help you understand, to open your mind. Okay, so back to it. God entrusted Moses with very particular and important details. I often wonder if Moses was given um, a speech issue at an early age, because remember, we were told that he was, so that he would learn to be an exceptional listener. Maybe this is why God chose him for this task. He was prepared. Remember, there's always a purpose. We might not understand it for a long time, but there's always one. A lot of the time when God spoke to Moses, he was telling him to then speak to the people and relay the message. The Holy Spirit empowers us to do his will. Moses obeyed despite the odds. So remember, friends, there's purpose. You might have a thorn in your flesh and you might not understand or feel like whatever it is, but I'm telling you that God is using that and he has purpose in everything and it will come out eventually. So just be grateful for the season you're in. Be grateful for the struggle that you're in because trust me, God has purpose in it. So this makes me want to stop and dig really deep. Do I listen to God enough? Because I know I am guilty of just going on and on and on and on in my prayers. And I don't even take a breath. And then I'm like, okay, amen. And then I go about my day. But do I stop and listen to God enough? So this really convicted me of I need to be better about stopping and opening myself up and just saying, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And just distraction, go, Holy Spirit, come. And it also makes me dig deep on how can I be a better listener? After I hear God, I need to just obey because is God going to keep speaking so much to someone who hears them and then goes and does whatever they want? Probably not. So we need to be a little more sensitive and in tune to not only hearing God, but then taking that and obeying. God is going to speak to a heart prepared to receive. If God knows he's going to speak to you and you're going to go and do what you want anyway, why would he speak to you directly, but open your heart up and surrender and obeying can be hard. It can be obeying is spiritual warfare. So I'm going to share a little bit of a personal story that's going to help you relate to hearing the voice of God. So this summer I got to go to a Let Us Worship in Montana and I absolutely love Sean's Foyt's ministry, his movement. If you haven't heard of it look it up. He is such a man of God. He's doing something, such an amazing move of God. His ministry is amazing. The Let Us Worship rallies are amazing. Go ahead and look that up. You won't regret it. So I got to go to one. Finally, I've been wanting to go to one for years now. And when I was there, they did um, kind of an altar call towards the end, but it was an altar call for anyone who wanted prayer over anything. So of course I went up because who doesn't need prayer? So I had this amazing older lady pray for me. And then after we kind of all did our prayers, um, Sean said, "Who's he's leading worship and ministering to us. And Sean Foyt said, um, I want you guys to, if you are facing a spiritual war right now, I want you to raise your hands. And he goes, I don't mean the day-to-day warfare Christians face. He goes, I mean, if the war is raging and it just will not cease, I want you to raise your hands. And I personally did not feel like I was in a war like that at the time so I didn't raise my hand but several people did and Sean said okay those of you who don't have your hands raised I want you to go to the person closest to you put your hands on their head and begin to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you um, what spirit is attacking them so we did so I put my hands on the girl beside me's head she was about my age and I just to myself was praying you know Lord what is it the very first thing before I could even get that sentence out God gave me anxiety, so I begin to pray and rebuke that spirit off of her life, and then as I'm praying, I start to doubt, and different things start to come to me, maybe that wasn't it, that was just the first thing that came to my mind, I don't know, am I just guessing, I don't know, was that really God, maybe it's this, maybe it's that, is it really anxiety, and I'm just warring in my mind with this, and as I I continue to pray, as these thoughts are coming to me, and as this is happening, a lady comes up, I'm kind of to the side of the girl, and a lady comes up in front of her and says, what are you struggling with? And the girl says anxiety. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit came over me so strong and said, stop doubting my voice. Friends, when we hear the voice of God, we doubt, we question, we wonder, was it God? Was it? Hear him and obey. A lot of times when we're asking God for a word, He's going to be the first voice that we hear. Take that word and obey. Continue to lean into it. The enemy comes in and wants you to question the word of God. Amy and I talk about this a lot, how Satan comes in in the wilderness and he wants you, did God really say, and that's exactly what Satan was doing. He did not want me to rebuke the spirit off of her life that was attacking me. He wanted me to stop and question what God told me. I'm telling you this story to encourage you to lean in and just obey. Take the word that God gave you, say, distraction go, enemy go. This is what God gave me and stand on it. Lean into prayer on it. So when you're trying to hear the voice of God, and you're trying to obey him, really take those words to heart and dwell on it. Because I kind of forgot about this story until just the other day, God reminded me of it. And I thought, wow, that's such a powerful reminder of hearing God. The first voice we hear when we're seeking God is often him. And I need to be better about taking that and running with it and not letting the enemy cause me to doubt. It really encouraged me. And when it came up the other day, I shared it with Amy, and you know, I kind of thought to myself, Oh, this is kind of random, it just came up, but I figured I want to share this anyway, it's on my heart. And then last night, as I was studying into our recording for today, God brought that up to me, and I thought that is why the Holy Spirit reminded me of it the other day because I needed to share it here on the podcast. Okay, so now we're going to read a little bit of Leviticus chapter 26, verses three through nine. And this is probably my favorite part of Leviticus.
0: And I want to say one thing that I don't want to miss and I no. don't want to forget. So every, so all the chapters you have today in Leviticus, you've already pointed out, it starts with as the Lord spoke to Moses of, of some, of some level, the Lord spoke to Moses wherever they were, the Lord spoke to Moses through this or, you know, they're different ways except for, except chapter 26. And it starts with, um, the get rid of worthless idols, something like that. Right. I think it's, I think that's the exact word. Hold on. Yes. Let's say, do not make worthless idols for yourself. Um, what I want to point out here is that these two stories, your story of following the Lord and knowing it was anxiety that you were declaring over that, that girl, Moses to, doubted. Remember way back, he doubted, he said, God, are you sure that it's me who's chosen? Are you sure about this? Cause I just don't think I can, I can basically, and you know, in, in our fleshy words, I don't yes. think I can own up to this. Well, you were put in a place like Moses almost. And I want everybody to understand that, that at any moment we are put in the place that we are supposed to do just as the Lord commanded, just like Moses did. Because if, we 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 don't think we're ever going to be chosen, or we never think we might be good enough. But the Lord used you in that moment, but you immediately doubted, but at the same time, you and I were chosen for that girl to pray, anxiety go. And Moses was chosen. And I want everybody to understand you. Whoever I'm talking to, you can be chosen at any moment. And that is why we have to be ready to receive every
1: mm, moment. So of good.
0: Because what if you didn't receive that? Like, what if you, you know, what if you just said, okay, all right, I'm just going to walk away because I'm doubting that it's anxiety that this girl is feeling? Mm, you know, perhaps so her, her outcome. We have to be ready all of the day, all of the time. And I think it's very pertinent that God brought that story back up to you the other day. And when you sent it to me the other day again, I actually prayed into it. And I said, Lord, reveal to me why we're talking about this again. And, I, and it was wonderful to hear the story again. I mean, I'm not saying that at all, friends. So that's like, I'm not saying, gosh, why did she send that to me again? What I said was I prayed into it. Lord, why are we hearing this again? What do you have to show us? Um, and, and this is exactly it. That at any moment you and I were chosen and you who I'm speaking to can be chosen to make what you don't think you can do. You're going to make that difference for that person.
1: Absolutely. That was such a good plug. See friends, this is why love doing things in groups, love having a buddy because the things that God doesn't reveal to you, he reveals to someone else. And when it all comes together, it's so beautiful. Even though Leviticus isn't, Leviticus isn't like beautiful, you know, it's not beautiful
0: in the, in the details that we talk about. And we can even just almost not really need to go into the detail. And I mean, you know what I mean? Like we know it's there, the Lord put it there, but the bottom line is, is that Moses was still being obedient and he was still being chosen. And it's just a beautiful story. And It always, something's always revealed from the, maybe the details that we don't love. And, um, you said earlier, you know, embrace the struggle. And I know probably some people maybe went, oh, really? Like, how are you going to tell me to be okay with, you know, whatever struggle? And I mean, there's, there's real struggles and we understand that. But at the same time, we want you to understand that the Lord has chosen you for this, for a season, for a time, for a purpose. And he is going to, on the other side, you're going to look back, you're going to change somebody's life, whether it's your own or your neighbors or your buddies, or we could just go on and on about this. We better get back to Leviticus.
1: Yes. Okay. So Leviticus 26, (laughs) um, we're going to just read verses three through nine. Okay. So if you walk in my statues and keep my commands and perform them, then I will give you rain in its season and the land shall yield its produce and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit your threshing shall last till the time of vintage and the vintage shall last till the time of sowing you shall eat your bread to the full and dwell in your land safely i will give you peace in the land and you shall lie down and none will make you afraid i will rid the land of evil beasts And the sword will not go through your land. You will chase your enemies and they shall fall by the sword before you. Five of you shall chase a hundred and a hundred of you shall put 10,000 to flight. Your enemies shall fall by the sword before you. For I will look on you favorably and make you fruitful and multiply you and confirm my covenant with you. Friends, how beautiful is that? I want to really hone in on the first part of this. If you obey me, I will send you rain in its season. God is saying, if you obey me, there is blessing. See, a lot of times we expect rain or a blessing immediately after we obey. We're like, okay, I obeyed. Where's my blessing? That's kind of the thought process a lot of us have we might not think we're that way but we kind of are we're all guilty of it I mean how many of us have given a very large offering and kind of looked around like not really expecting the money back like but maybe hoping something good was going to happen to you for it right away you know so most of the time that's not the case We have to keep obeying. It's an ongoing obedience. It's not just a one-time thing. We have to choose obedience daily, hourly, minute by minute. Obedience is spiritual warfare. Obedience does equal blessing. We know that. But the key word is in God's timing. See, friends, his timing is not our timing. We have to endure and mature before we receive the blessing that God has for us. God's word is true. Blessings are coming. But we need not to focus so much on the blessing and more on seeking him first and obeying him first and being diligent and faithful. We need to get in a place of maturity where we're not doing we're not obeying just to receive that's that's an immature heart posture a mature heart posture is obeying because we love the lord obeying because we don't deserve what he's done for us and we could never earn it obeying because we're in awe of him we have a healthy fear of the lord think about it like this if you do not plant any seeds and it rains why would you expect something to grow and if you do plant seeds and it rains the very next day you wouldn't expect it to grow and sprout up huge You plant the seeds, you wait, it rains, you wait, it rains, you wait, and eventually a downpour comes and eventually the seeds do sprout and grow. And the same goes for blessings and obedience. We sow the seeds of obedience, but it's not a one-time thing. We're planting a massive garden. It's not once and done, we're sowing a seed of obedience here and the next one and the next one and another seed, it's ongoing. So we have this full garden we're planting, we're constantly working on. We have to keep seeking him first, keep believing for rain. And then when the rain comes, the seeds will sprout. Okay, I'm going to jump down to the second half of this chapter and I'm going to, starting in verse 14 and then I'm going to try to read through verse 20. Um, So verse 14 says, if you do not obey me, And do not observe all of these commandments. And if you despise my statues, or if your soul ignores my judgments, so that you do not perform all my commandments, but break my covenant, I also will do this to you. I will appoint terror over you, wasting disease and fever, which shall consume you. And you shall sow your seed in vain, and your enemies shall eat it. I will set my face against you and you shall be defeated by your enemies. Those who hate you shall reign over you and you shall flee when no one pursues you. And after all this, if you do not obey me, then I will punish you seven times more for your sins. I will break the pride of your power. I will make your heavens like iron and your earth like bronze and your strength shall be spent in vain for your land shall not yield It's produce, nor shall the trees of the land yield their fruit. Yikes, friends, God is giving us a clear picture of what happens when we disobey, when we live A life of disobedience and we are constantly choosing to disobey, although we know what we're doing is wrong because we all fall short and disobey daily. And that's why we repent daily. But when we are choosing to live a life of disobedience, we're choosing to live in sin and we know it, we're seeing that God hates that. And what he says is he'll turn his face against us. And let me tell you, friends, Corey Ten Boom says the safest place you can be is in the center of God's will. But where is the most dangerous place you can be? One step out of it, just on the edge of it, just right out of it. That's so dangerous. When you are choosing disobedience, you are choosing danger. You are choosing to obey Satan and not God. See, one cannot serve two masters. You're either serving and obeying God or you're serving and obeying Satan. I want you to really take that to heart. Those of you who are fighting with obedience If you are not choosing to obey God, you're choosing to follow the world and obey Satan. And the Lord says that a friend of the world is not a friend of his, and that is a dangerous place to be in. Choose. I'm not trying to scare you into obedience. I want you to have a healthy fear of the Lord, and I want you to want to obey because you love the Lord and you want to honor him, even in those really, really hard places. And I want to encourage you to dig deep and say, okay, God, reveal to me where I'm disobeying you, reveal to me areas I need to grow in. And let me tell you, when you pray that prayer, he will. God's not going to reveal it to you all at once, because if he did, we would all be like, wow, I'm an awful person. But God will slowly reveal things to you. And it's like, "Ooh, I didn't even realize I was doing that. I'm so sorry, Lord. But now you know, and now that Holy Spirit in you, when you start to do that thing of disobedience, taps on your heart and says, hey, Hey, remember me? And you're like, oh, I can't do that. I can't say that thing. The Holy Spirit begins to remind you, friends, this is sanctification and it's a beautiful process. See, friends, I want you to remember there's beauty in all scripture and God will show it to you, but you need to ask him for it. Ask him to show you, ask him to speak to you and then listen and then obey. So the overall message of Leviticus is sanctification. The book communicates that receiving God's forgiveness and acceptance should be followed by holy living and spiritual growth. Now that Israel had been redeemed by God, they were to be purified into a people worthy of their God. Friends, we are saved, but we're still being sanctified day by day. Praise the Lord. Sanctification is a process. If he revealed everything to us at once, we would be overwhelmed and feel completely hopeless god knows what he's doing okay lastly you're probably feeling like okay this is a lot of scripture and there's a lot of things and laws here friends i want you to stop feeling overwhelmed i want you to say satan go holy spirit come and give me peace and ask him to give you a revelation through this reading of leviticus i know it's hard The Lord clearly stated again and again that the purpose of these laws was to separate Israel from other people so that they could be sanctified and become holy to God. See, the laws and commandments that God gives us is to separate us from the world. Because remember, as Christians, we're in this world but we're not of this world. We are children of the Most High God and we're called to live like it. We're called to walk like it, act like it, talk like it. And this doesn't mean acting better than in any way one of those Christians that acts like that. It means living a humble, genuine life. Someone that really, truly fears the Lord and serves him. Friends, sanctification is a process. So lean in and dig deep with the Lord this week through Leviticus. Say, Lord, show me something new. Give me a new revelation of your holy witness. Lord, show me areas in my heart that I'm disobeying you and help me obey you help me do better and he's going to help you friends okay that is my wrap on Leviticus I'll let Amy take it from here so good so so good um
0: I just want to point out one thing and I know um this is this is this is on my heart when he starts that when when Anna started to read in in chapter 26 the Lord says I will send time and do I will send rain in due time I want to point out that rain also can be the struggle and so when it's when he when we know we need rain for our seeds to flourish and our seeds to grow because everything needs sunlight and water and a hand okay hold on a minute they need we need sunlight and water but we also need a hand to to sow the seed so we need a hand to sow it we need water and we need sunlight okay when sometimes the rain, though, is not always going to bring the flower blooming that you want, it's going to sometimes bring the struggle and it'll bring the earthquake or it'll bring the, the strong winds or it'll bring the down trees, it, but it's all still part of, in the end, the rain is still going to make the flower bloom, but it is in due time that that happens and we just have to continue to be faithful. And I think that's all I want to say from Leviticus, from that chapter, because I just don't want you to get a false, a false hope that every time there's rain, the flower blooms. Sometimes there's a storm that the rain brings that we have to get through to get to the flower blooming. So, all right, I'm going to start in Matthew. I'm going to start chapter 26. I'm going to start, I'm supposed to start in 55, but I'm not going to follow the rules. I'm going to start a little further back. <laughs> so because this story, it kind of breaks up the way we break this up into weeks. For you all, we do seven days at a time. And sometimes it just kind of like, it's really like a cutoff, you know, so, which is good. So where the prayer is in the garden and in 26, like verses 36, I'm going a little further back there, Jesus is praying in the garden, then Judas betrays Jesus. So then we're starting in right at 55 when just after the, and, and Anna ended last week with verse 52, her quote saying, put your sword back in its place because all who take up the sword will perish by the sword. I want to point out here that this kind of all starts this spiraling out of control, which then leads Jesus to the cross at the end of Matthew to end Matthew. But I want you to understand here that this was all about action. Like this was an action of defense. The sword was being like swore like, um, I don't know what swiftly like thrown around. Like I'm, I'm doing the motion in my head am my am actually doing the motion, but like the sword was just being like shaken around, like almost in danger. This was an action, but this really had nothing to do with the heart devotion. It was just an action to try to show and be a show off. I just want to point that out. So she ended last week with put your sword back in its place. So then 55 starts with Judas first de- de- betrays Jesus. And then Peter, So 58 says, Peter was following at at a distance. I'm starting there because I think it was very, very driven home in Leviticus today that the commands are real. When the Lord commands us, we better go. But we we can't be over here. We can't be to the right or to the left. We have to be right in line with him because if we're not, I think it's crazy to me because, again, we don't know what each other are going to say. But Anna said something very true, and I'm going to lead to that in just a second. Corey Ten Boom, I don't know exactly the words, but basically, if you're one foot in and one foot out, you're in a very dangerous place. Well, right here, Peter was following at a distance. He was not where he was supposed to be. When we're not close enough, we're easily astray by our flesh and by evil. And when I say flesh, I can also, it, it can also be countercrossed with flesh and evil can be definitely intertwined there. The betrayal in these verses was really because Peter was not following Jesus the way that he should have been following him. He was off to the right as verse 58 says. So we have to be very mindful of that. So I asked the question to myself as I was studying this. I said, Amy, Why do you think Peter denied Christ? So this is what I've come up with. I feel like he denied Christ because he was very much overconfident in his own flesh. Verse 41, back a few verses, but verse 41 says, stay awake and pray so that you won't enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. What was he doing? He was sleeping. He wasn't praying. He wasn't active. He was following distantly on the right, not even the left, but the right. Um, He wasn't in line. He was sleeping, not praying. His flesh took action. I just told you that in verse 51. He was acting. He wasn't devoted in that act. He just was making himself look good. He was just doing it for the, the crowd to be pleased by him willowing a sword around and cutting ears off and doing all these action figure things. But he wasn't devoted in his heart. His heart wasn't pure. The next thing I came up with was he was following from afar. And this is the last one. He was too warm in his flesh. And this is what, this is, that's exactly what I wrote. He's too warm in his flesh. He was comfortable there. You know how on a cold morning, you don't want to get out from under the covers or you can't wait to get under the covers because it's warm. Well, he was warm in himself. And this is what I've come up with. This is a quote by me. Too much of the world to enjoy the Lord. But then when we have too much of the Lord to enjoy the world, we can't really cross over each other. So when we're in the Lord, we're in the Lord. When we're in the world, we're in the world. And right here, Peter denied Jesus because he was too warm in his own flesh. And he just was being, he was all about himself. When when we cross over into the Lord, we have to kind of step away from the world. Because what the world tells us to do and what our flesh and what our evil tells us to do, go back to the Garden of Eden. So, I, I think this is interesting. Um, so the end of 26, Peter weps, he, he goes outside and he weps bitterly. So then 27 starts with Jesus is just handed over. He's just handed over. It kind of goes pretty quickly there, right? But then Judas, after he's betrayed Jesus, decides that he's going to backslide and remorse himself but here's the, here's the symbolism I've, I've gotten here. Verse seven says, they conferred together and bought the potter's field with the, for the bur- burial place of the foreigners. Therefore, this is still called the field of blood to today. So I want you to take your brain. Judas has betrayed Jesus. He's now seeing that Jesus is being condemned and, in the hands of the Romans and being taken off to be crucified. And the burial place of, of where Judas will hang himself, which symbolism here, he hangs himself on a tree as well, just like Jesus. Um, The potter's field, think about a potter's field. So a potter's field pottery that's been broken off is laying in this barren field. But when it's warmed, when pottery's warmed, it can be remolded. Like the potter's hand can remold it. When it's back warmed into, into um, a pliable substance, it can be formed back into pottery. But in a barren field of this potter's field, they were just old broken pieces of pottery laying there. They were barren. They were broken. But when we put ourselves here and see that Judas is now seeing that Jesus is being taken to be crucified. He's backpedaling, but think of ourselves as that pottery on the broken ground, on the laying broken on the ground. When we decide we're gonna pick ourselves back up and we're gonna warm ourselves out of our flesh back into the Lord, he can mold us into whatever he wants. He can mold us back to where we where we should be, or maybe perhaps where we were before. There's so much here, but the, I want you to remember that there's start where you are and it's never too late. It's never too gone. And that is exactly why I think it's very detailed here that he was in a potter's field because it's, it's that symbolism to the potter's wheel and to pottery, because we can, if we mess up pottery, we can redo it when we warm it back up. So Jesus is in the hands of the Romans and he's stood before the governor. So then they, of course, ask him, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answers, you say so, you know, so he's back defending himself, right? He says, well, um, while he was being accused of the chief priests, he just didn't answer. So Jesus like, you know what, you say whatever you want. Basically, different translations translate that a little differently. Jesus basically just stopped defending himself here. Like, and I think we need to do that too. Against our enemies, there's no reason to tell them who you are. They knew who Jesus was. They didn't they didn't have to ask him and he did not have to tell them. If you have an enemy who's slandering you, you have somebody who's talking nasty about you, being mean to you, even to your face or even behind the keyboard, however they're being mean to you, just remember that you don't have to defend yourself because Jesus didn't defend himself, and he knew they knew who he was. They knew he was the King of the Jews. He didn't have to tell them again. Say who you what, say what you want about me is what he said. But in your heart, you know who I am. So don't defend yourself. And this takes me to Psalm eighteen two, where Daniel actually says this, basically over his life. The Lord is my defender, my rock, my deliverer, my shield. We can continue to to put different words there, but the Lord is our defense. That's all we need. Jesus didn't need to go any, any more in depth here. They knew who Jesus was because of his actions and who he was. And I need everybody to remember that. And I need, we all need to be placed here and just remember that our actions and the way people see us and our dedication to the Lord is what people will remember and we don't have to defend who we are. So your enemies that are slandering and being mean and nasty, it's usually out of envy and just let it go. You don't have to defend yourself. Let your Lord be your defender. Let the Lord be your defender. So all of 27, I kind of, just summed up 27, you know, we can go into the details of the crucifixion and stuff. We all know what happens and we got to go through it a couple more times in the other two gospels, but um, we know what happens, right? Um, but chapter 27, I want to just remind you all that this is a fulfillment of prophecy and this is a fulfillment of a promise. So Anna has mentioned a whole bunch today of just being able to listen to what where the Lord has you and to really be sanctified by the storms and the rain and the blowing winds and the trees knocking over. But you really have to know who you are in the Lord because what he says is true. And I think 27, we need to remember that. It is all a fulfillment of prophecy. Jesus was sentenced to death. The Romans carried it out. But just remember, the Jews sentenced him there. The Romans carried it out. But who ultimately is responsible for the death of Jesus? That would be us. He died for our sins, for you, for me, for Anna, for, for even these, these men here. Like even these evil people that we read about that are doing this thing, carrying out these actions in the Bible. That is why Jesus died. It, it was not any other reason. And it was a promise So when you hear a promise or when the Lord gives you a promise, we need to remember that he means what he says. And there's nothing in there that he's not going to do if he promises it to you. And sometimes it's not the answered prayer that we were looking for, but it's the Lord's prayer and it's the Lord's answer. And we need to remember that. May we spend time as we finish out the verses in 27 and 28 Of Jesus dying on the cross, I think we need to spend time truly, deeply in solemn prayer actually saying thank you. And I don't mean thank you, Lord. I mean, Jesus, you died for me. You died for my spouse. You died for my kids. You died for my best friend. You died for those around me who are slandering me and being evil to me. You died for everybody equally, and we have to remember that we have to pay that back to Him. Um, he, luckily, <laughs> gratefully, it doesn't end here, um, and there's more to the story, and we're so grateful for that. Um, the Jesus His last cry out there in forty six says, "My God, My God, why have you abandoned me?" Um, died. But he did feel abandoned, don't we all, sometimes? But the story doesn't end here. Um, I want to point out Mary, Magdalene, and Mary, the mother of James and Joseph here, the mother of—they were sitting there, okay? They didn't know what was about to happen, so Jesus dies, and they were he was buried. But they just sat in solemn peace. And Anna said earlier, when you ask for something or the Lord is willing something— To you, you need, Moses had to learn to listen better than he could speak because he couldn't speak well. When they were sitting there solemnly in peace and quiet, I want you to place yourself there for a moment because they had no idea what was coming in three days. They had no idea. But what they did do was show their gratefulness by sitting quietly and listening. They would have missed it. They would have missed it. If they'd have been talking, they would have missed it all. And in 28, on resurrection morning, a violent earthquake came. I love that. What is that telling you? Attention! A violent earthquake, right? Because what in our flesh do we do if we hear there's a storm coming? We squander and we rush around and we run to the grocery store and we do all the things. Attention, attention. A violent earthquake is coming and guess who it was. Verse 17 and 28, verse 17 says when they saw him, what did they do? They worshiped. It ends with um verse 20 ends with I'm going to read the end of it and remember. This is how Matthew ends, you all. This is so important. <laughs> and if you don't take one other thing away, let's take this away together. And remember, I am always with you to the, I, I'm sorry, I am with you always to the end of the age. I put always in the wrong place, but the bottom line is the Lord is with us and we can't be to the right. We can't be to the left. We have to be near him. We have to get out of the world. We, we just have to, to understand it fully. And it nothing's going to really make sense to you. The peace you feel the, the peace you feel in the struggle, the joy you feel in the struggle, the gratefulness that you feel sitting alone, like not all of us like to be alone, but the joyfulness you can feel when you're solemnly sitting. Think about that the tomb of Jesus, when they're just sitting there quietly remorsing over the loss, if they would not have been quiet, they would have missed the attention getter. They would have maybe missed the, the violent earthquake. I don't know. They might not have believed it was the angel coming back to say Jesus had, was risen. Who knows? We don't know. But what we do know is they did sit quietly and they waited and look what the reward was. So, um, and I'm going to ask if you want to add anything from Matthew before I jump to Mark.
1: Um, I think the only thing I don't really don't think that I have much to add I think you gave such a good word honestly what comes to my mind is you know we kind of went through this season of what you just read through was of you know Jesus's death his crucifixion on the cross and his resurrection and I think one point that I want to bring up, and I think a lot of believers have probably heard this, but it's a reminder. It's a good key point to stick in there is that on, you know, the day of Jesus' crucifixion, three days later is when he resurrected. And in those three days, remember the feelings of the people, even though Jesus said he would be back, they were probably freaking out. And a lot of times, it seems like something's died or something's terrible has happened in our life and we're freaking out. But just remember that God brings life. He's a resurrector. God brings things back. Don't give up. Don't panic. Don't worry. Pray and just trust.
0: And I feel like too, right here, they weren't really freaking out much. They were kind of just solemn, right? It was kind of quiet. Like those days were quiet. And I really want to attribute that. We can't go back and ask them, but why don't we just go with, it's because they believe the promises of the Lord. They believe that Jesus had was going to do what he said he was going to do. And peace, I leave you. Peace, I give you. I am coming back. And maybe let's just go with they trusted that he would be back. So they, like in our flesh, I mean, you and I would be flurrying around and, and crying and desperate and desperation, but they weren't because I think they, did they believe, let's just go with they believe the promise. And they just said, so let's, let's, you and I, let's all of us, let's all just believe the promise and just believe in it all and believe that we know that, know that we know that this is what it is. I'm going to put a funny plug in here really quickly, and Mark is going to be pretty short. So Anna and I have been getting more and more questions, hard questions, but I want to tell you all um, in a voice versus maybe a text message or, you know, behind a keyboard. And I'm speaking for Anna too. I hope we appreciate it because we appreciate the engagement. And we also appreciate asking again, ourselves those questions and saying, okay, how best Lord help us and and us praying through it. How best can we answer these questions? And, um, so it's all this to say thank you for asking questions and thank you for engaging. Um, but what I want to say is that I ask my sweet Bible study grandmother the same question that we were asked this past week. And Anna sent it to me. And I was late seeing the message, but it was probably all the right timing because Anna had come up with an answer and Then I added some things to it, and it was beautiful the way it orchestrated. However, what I want to say is my very wise um, 80-year-old Bible study grandmother's answer was this. I said, if someone was to ask you how Abraham lived to 930 years old, how would you answer that? And y'all, I want you to understand that in the wisdom, I think... Was it last episode we talked about wisdom, Anna? Or I mean, age. I think it was last episode. I think so. Okay. About how Anna's like, I don't understand how you do that. And I'm like, it's with age, girl. Like, it's just with age. This is with age. And this is so wise. She said, why would you question it? It's in the Bible. How much trust can we have by what's written in the Bible in front of us? I just think it's beautiful. Okay. On to Mark. Okay, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they're going to basically tell us the same story. So Anna and I are going to do our best not to just keep rehashing the same things over and over again, because it's basically the same stories written in different perspectives, for sure. Definitely different perspectives. Mark's, Mark, the book of Mark was written by John Mark, um, described in 1 Peter 5 as the son in faith. Um, he was definitely a servant, and I want the servant uh, the servant to be defined in your all's minds as being someone who toils very, very abundantly behind the scenes. They're steady in their work and they're very faithful in their work. Um, so John Mark was described as a servant. Um, the overall message I want to kind of just sum up after I've just kind of read through it again, read through the whole book. Um, just really prayed about, Lord, reveal to me what I want that I should share about really the take home of Mark is just repent and believe. Um, The son of man does not come to be served, but to serve. Just repent who you are in the flesh and just believe the promises of the Lord. And I think this is really good in the book of Mark. Mark made it really simple and straightforward to explain the life of Jesus. And we're so grateful for each one of these gospels. That's for sure. Um, so it starts off just like um, when we started in Matthew of, you know, we were baptized in Jordan and um, it continues to go. But what I want to end with really, I just go to verse uh, chapter two today. But what I want to end with is just reminding everybody today that we have to stay focused. We have to stay focused, focused on the Father's will, the Father's heart, the Father's time, and we have to remember that we have to prepare our hearts every day to participate in what the Lord has for us. Because in 2 chapter 2 verse the end of verse 17 says It is not those who are well who need a doctor, but those who are sick. I didn't come to call the righteous, but to call sinners. And it ends, so then the chapter 2 toward the end, and I want to say it's verse 22. Yeah, it is. It's the end of 22. It says no wine is put into fresh wineskins. And I just want to say that we cannot combine the old and the new without a whole bunch of focusing on the Father's will, the Father's heart, the Father's time. And we have to prepare our hearts and we must participate with what he has for us every day, all week. I really want to encourage you guys to just stick to that. Remember that Moses was a faithful servant and did what the Lord had said. He didn't feel equipped. He wanted to doubt, but the Lord continued to tell him he was enough. And each of you, from my heart to your heart, is you are equipped and you are called to prepare and participate, repent and believe.
1: And that is all I have today. That was so good. And I know this is the Holy Spirit because (laughs) he gave me the exact same scripture, Amy, verse Uh, uh, 17. And I have a note written in my Bible I probably wrote a long time ago that says, Jesus came to save people who will never be good enough to save themselves. We're saved by grace alone. Never works. mm -hmm. So, that is, oh, so that is what God gave me as well mm-hmm. for the Mark reading. And, you know, I think that as we read through the Gospels, you know, Amy said something that was so good. She said we, all four Gospels, you know, are giving us a very similar message, the same message. But I think that God made a point to put all four of them in here from different perspectives, definitely for a reason. And I think I want to encourage you to dig deep into each Gospel and find the differences in the sense of God's going to reveal different things to you the more you read it and as you go through each one. So as you go through them, the same story that you might have read in Matthew, God's going to reveal it to you maybe in a different way in Mark. So I want to encourage you that God has different things to reveal to you through each gospel and spend your time in them really just dwell and just feel the presence of Jesus I know some of us on this journey are probably just doing the New Testament portion so I really want to encourage you to really just follow Jesus with an open heart and just dwell in his presence and ask the Lord to reveal new things to you as you go through this whole Bible and you know the other day um I mentioned in my notes for the read-through, I talked about how Jesus gladly associated with sinners, but he didn't sin with them. So I think that's something that's important for us to remember is that he humbly shared his good message. So share his message everywhere you go. Instead of sinning with people, share the gospel with them, share the love of Jesus with them. And when you're so filled up with it, you can't help but want to share.
0: That's true. And, one thing that came to my mind when you said about the Gospels, you know, Matthew is 28 chapters and Mark is 16. So if Matthew was, you know, long and drawn out, Mark going to be a little more succinct and straightforward. So just pray and ask to reveal and share one thing with somebody. Again, I think we say this a lot is you may be the only gospel or the only truth somebody hears in the day, but if you have it in your heart, you can share it with others. And we're just grateful to be on this journey with each of you. That's for sure.
1: Absolutely. Well,
0: we are so grateful. We finished week seven and we are, we'll be looking
1: forward to week eight with you all. You all yes. have a blessed week. Thank you so much for joining us and share this with whoever God puts on your heart. Remember, listen to the voice of God. If they're on your heart, just share it. Just share it. Yep, We appreciate each of you. Yep. Till next time. Bye-bye.
0: Hi, friends, and welcome to the God is in the Minute podcast, where Anna and Amy will take you through the Bible in one year. We will also have pop-up episodes to share what God is doing in our lives as well as those around us. Grab a buddy, grab your Bible, and grab a heart for the Lord to change you. We are so grateful to have you on this journey with us. Find us on social media at God is in the minute. Thank you for joining us.